Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for common sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, we need more common sense in the world. That's for sure, 100%. Right, Rita? That is for sure. And we have a lot of it in the studio today, In the studio, we always have common sense. We do. Judge Richard Weinberg. We've got uh, Ed Cox, a New York State chairman. And the guy in charge of common sense in the Democratic Party, we have uh, Governor David Madison. It's an easy job. Now, <laughs> no, I understand. no competition. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. By the way, I, I understand s- that uh, Governor Patterson, uh, uh, Governor Patterson, Governor Hochul, that right? Governor Hochul just made a statement. You want yes, to yeah, and, and essentially said, uh, send them back. Uh, this is regarding the migrants, of course, the big mob scene that happened when they were attacking the NYPD officer. She was asked yesterday. Uh, what do you think? Should they be deported? And she said, well, I'll look into it. But now in the last few hours, she's put out a stronger statement, essentially saying, yeah, send them back. Uh, I wish it didn't take her that long to come to the conclusion, but good for her. It's important to hear that. Your thoughts, Ed? Well, we're also, don't forget, don't forget what happened uh, is uh, uh, that uh, I understand the uh, Democratic Party is deporting Oh, the Democratic Party in joint uh, efforts with the Republican Party is the the de- de- uh, deporting. Who were they, uh, Judge? The, yeah, they're looking to the, get rid of people who illegal migrants who are violating certain laws, like uh, well, drunk driving. Like, no, to, drunk driving, but also that might be Chinese. Uh, okay, soldiers. and they're also looking at the, you know, what they call military age illegal migrants, which would be Chinese or also be Middle Eastern types. That'd be scary. You know, they'll be scary that uh, uh, there, there might be Middle East or Chinese uh, soldier types that can come in and wipe out Hooterville or, or Mayberry. Yeah, that's I mean, I, I a huge about concern. That, but it's not a joke. No, it's a big. And by the way, uh, speaking of wiping things out. Uh, we didn't hear a lot of confidence today from Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. Oh, my God, that was horrible. Oh, John, it was terrible. This is the first time we've seen the Defense Secretary since, of course, he went to the hospital for the prostate surgery. And he not only did he look feeble, and, of course, we all wish him well on a recovery, but he sounded so feeble. He kept making excuses saying, well, we're not looking for a war. We don't want to escalate anything. And we're looking at, yeah, it looks like Iran was supplying, you know, these different groups, but we're looking at these groups. He was so careful and didn't convey strength, didn't convey clarity, Ed Cox. That's a dangerous uh, place uh, to Secretary be. Secretary of Defense is not a Secretary of War. And basically, the Defense Department doesn't like war. They don't want it. So that is a basic cultural issue with them. When they go in, they go in right. But I think that's part of the undercurrent here. Well, I think it's this administration's, Ed, too. I mean, clearly. It's this administration, and then it's his health issues. Yeah, It's all three together. You know what was scary, um, Ed, is when you watch it, you sit there and you say, if I'm a bad guy, 
I'm going to say, wow, this defense department looks like it's like a waffling all over the place. It looked like a like a laundromat, not a, a defense department. Iran, Iran is saying, bring it on. Let's go to war. Yeah. T- talk about a contrast. And that's yeah. dangerous. It sort of was that, again, it's that peace through strength. You obviously, nobody wants certainly this to go a, to war, but you want to convey strength. This is an invitation to further aggression and escalation from the other side. That's all it is. Yeah, no question about it. Um, Why don't you escalate, though? They will pull back. I guarantee it. They're cowards. Yeah, but, but we haven't even done it. We've allowed them exactly. to keep hitting us, and now it's like 166 attacks. I mean, don't you think, Governor Patterson, it's important, especially after 166 attacks, uh, to at least have some sort of uh, power behind you? Well, whenever your adversary knows what you're going to do, which is not much, they keep attacking. And uh, there's going to have to be a point where this isn't tolerated anymore. Yeah, it has to be at a certain point. By the way, uh, Judge Weinberg, too, speaking of uh, mixed messages, Democratic representatives Rashida Tlaib and Cori Bush vote no on a bill banning Hamas terrorists from the U.S. I, I mean, that's not a trick question, Judge Weinberg. They have to get their heads straight. There's a threat that has to be dealt with, and they have to stop playing their parochial Let politics. me ask you, wait a second, let me ask you a question. Maybe uh, Ed Cox or Governor Passon knows. Did they swear on the Bible to uphold the laws of the United States of America? They did. When they, when they, they became did. citizens? Or, or, or were they the ones that were the exception? They swore... Uh, they swore on a different document. On a different document, it's called the uh, Quran. Quran, which allows Muslims to kill Amer- all civilians or, or Christians. Did they have to? Wouldn't you think? Well, they could pick, well, right? Because well, some have sworn right. on. That's right. What do you do? Uh, we know Muhammad was a warrior, and the Quran was written in that context. So I think you may be right, John. Yeah, and who? By the way, speaking of warrior, John, you had you guys had a very interesting meeting with the former vice citizen, president. Do you have to be a citizen of the United States to uh, to become a congressman. Yes, yes, yes. Did they swear allegiance to the United States of America? Sure, they yes. didn't mean it. They didn't mean it. As the Constitution, as Congress members, they have a right to vote up or down any bill that they want to. I just wonder if they filled out their applications to join Hamas yet. Oh, we'll see. Uh, by the way, very quickly, John, also your meeting with the former vice president today, uh, Pence, you guys had an interesting meeting. It was a very interesting meeting, and uh, uh, we're going to talk about it later on. But I understand right now uh, we have uh, Bill Bratton. Bill Bratton yep, on. Yeah, we do. And we... let's talk about uh, what the heck. I understand uh, that uh, uh, the it was a civilian camera that uh, that showed the – Police officers being beat up. Yeah, that horrible scene and in Times I was Square. Told, I was told by a lot of, uh, uh, of police officers that it's happening all over the boroughs and the NYPD is not releasing. Wow. Well, let's ask Bill Bratton, former NYPD commissioner. Uh, commissioner Bratton, you just heard what John was saying. Is this happening all over the city and we just don't know about it? No, it's uh, been documented. The department has reported that assaults against police officers are up uh, significantly, almost phenomenally, this year. Uh, so it's nothing that's been uh, hidden. Uh, if it's not being reported on, you're going to have to speak to the representatives of the media, but the department has made it quite clear they're very concerned about the rise in attacks on police officers. And many of them you see on the news. We had that uh, police officer standing trying to stop some screwball in the car there, and she basically 
purposely hit him, broke his leg, and uh, has no um, concern about that. She was arrested. No, uh, those attacks are frequently uh, seen on the news as to whether people uh, are paying attention to them. I would hope they would, but uh, there's been a serious increase in assaults on New York City police officers uh, in the last year or so. Yeah, you know, uh, by the way, I, I agree with you. I hope people are as outraged as you know we are. You know how much we love our men and women in blue, Commissioner. You know, I want to get your thoughts, too, about the whole case. Here we see this group of, you know, the migrants come over. They are beating the officers and kicking them in the head. It is heartbreaking to see. And then they get released, these guys, two of them. One of them is giving the finger to the, the press. The other's laughing. It, it is, it's, it epitomizes everything that's so wrong with this whole system. Your thoughts, Commissioner? I have a prediction for you. You're not going to see most of these characters uh, show up for their court appearances. They're going to be in the wind. <laughs> if, they're uh. not already, if they're not already in the wind uh, at, at this present time. That uh, although actually I don't know why they'd uh, go uh, try to flee because not much is going to happen to them anyway. As much as has been uh, uh, talked about that it's a seven-year felony, um, <laughs> by the time they get in front of a, a judge, uh, it's going to be quite a way down the line in any event. No, it's uh, part of the issue here is that there is really no uh, punishment uh, any longer uh, for assaulting police officers. That's the reality. And uh, I. Governor Hochul, I think, made a statement yesterday or this, this afternoon. Yeah, she was asked uh, what should happen. Should they be deported? And she said, uh, I'm going to look into it. And now in the last few hours, she has said, uh, send them back. Other people are saying the same thing, that they should be sent back. Your thoughts about that? That's what some people are reporting, that she's at least going a little further. What can be done to these people? Uh, in terms of, uh, I'm afraid you're not going to be able to boil water with those uh, statements. They're a little tepid. That, uh, in the sense of, uh, and uh, maybe a little too, uh, a little too little too late. Uh, the situation where we are a sanctuary city, where uh, the police are precluded from uh, notifying ICE about uh, potential people who qualify for uh, apprehension by ICE and potential deportation, uh, that's gone by the wayside uh, for a number of years. But even ICE now, because of the lack of uh, prison facilities that uh, it's not able to keep up with even if we were turning people over to them. They don't have any place to put them, so they have to basically catch and release also. No, the whole situation is a mess, but as it relates to our particular city, uh, it is, it's not getting better in some respects. Good respects, uh, some respects, it is shootings, murders down, uh, pretty good numbers. But overall, crime is still up, uh, certainly compared to 2019, a few years ago. Uh, as recently as yesterday, about a, uh, one door up from my apartment building over in Sutton Place area, woman walking down the street on her phone, a couple of characters on those mopeds, all those illegal mopeds, come shooting down the sidewalk and uh, grab the phone out of her hand and off they go. And uh, that's uh, the, the most recent of a series of incidents like that in my neighborhood. So we've got a lot of things uh, underway here. We've got uh, the migrant issue that's getting worse in terms of the commission of crime by them. We've got a declining police force. That, that police force is at 33,000-some-odd officers. It was uh, 38,000 when I was here in 1994. I think I had 36,000 in 2016. And uh, the report yesterday, the mayor's report that response time for 
Part 1 calls. Part 1 is the emergency calls, life-threatening calls. Response time is now, if I recall the figure correctly, up over nine minutes on an emergency life-threatening call. Why? Shortage of police officers. And so, uh, what's that uh, music man uh, uh, phrase from the musical music man? We have, we have trouble in River City. Well, we get big troubles in New York City. And uh, we have uh, former NYPD Commissioner Nicole uh, Bill Bratton. Um, we have now uh, Governor Patterson. You have a question. The shocking thing about this incident with the migrants and the police was that the migrants originally were fighting each other. The police were trying to break up the fight, and then I guess they decided rather than fight with each other, they would uh, beat up on the police. But I think if there's a conviction in this particular case, it would be the easiest thing since they're not citizens in the first place for them to be deported. Yeah, but, but you know, the problem is Venezuela doesn't want them back. I mean, you know, what are you going to force to drop them, airdrop well, them in Venezuela? Look, um, a lot of places lately didn't want people come, coming there, but they got sent there. Like, uh, Mayor Adams didn't want uh, a bunch of people from Texas to come up here, but he got it, and I think Venezuela deserves it, too. Gee. By the way, I agree with you, Governor. The question is, will it realistically happen? I agree with you in theory. Yeah. Well, Judge Weinberg, if they're convicted, they should be put in jail, they should do their time, and then you deport them. Just don't let them beat up cops, and a lot of this, they're kicking the poor cops in the head, which is as far as I'm concerned. In the face, in the head, as far as I'm concerned, you can make out a complaint for attempted murder. And what got me was the cops didn't pull their tasers, and, yeah. which in self-defense... I think they or a gun, even. I'm telling you, they were getting brutalized. Thank they goodness get, they survived. Yeah, and why didn't they? Uh, Commissioner Bratton, your were thoughts they, on were, that? Were they ordered well, not to? Another problem uh, coming down the pike uh, is this uh, push by the uh, president of the uh, city council uh, to uh, close Rikers and build these new high-rise jails. But the capacity of those new jails, if they ever do get built, at a cost of about eight to ten billion dollars in a city that basically doesn't have the money. They, they should spend the money on uh, on migrant uh, homes. <laughs> well, they, they could build a lot of them out in Rikers. But yeah. no, the idea is that uh, the capacity for those new jails is going to be about 3,500. 3,500 where currently I think the jails have about eight or 9,000. And that the idea is that... Uh, uh, there'd be no place to put these people. So there'd be another excuse as to why when people get arrested, nothing happens to them because there's no place to put them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Commissioner Bill Bratton, uh, you know how much we love and support our men and women in blue. And it's just heartbreaking to see some of these images and what's happening. Thank you. you got to come back on and keep us posted. And, and obviously, thanks for your strong voice. Uh, Always. We, can, we can keep applauding the cops because despite a lot of discouragement from the uh, city council and the legislature, they keep on working. Yes. Thank, and they're doing, Thank goodness. And they're doing the best they can under the circumstances of uh, the politicians, non-common sense politicians being their quasi-bosses. Yeah, absolutely. Commissioner, thank you very much. All the best. Nice talking with all of you. Thank you. You too. And now we have Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis joining us. Congresswoman, uh, your reaction to the fact that these migrants were beating up cops and they're out now smiling and giving fingers to the camera. Yeah, it's it's obviously very disgusting and disheartening. Um, and, you know, this is this is what we've been saying all along, that we have individuals who are unvetted coming into this country 
And uh, this mayor and governor keep incentivizing it by offering these free services. And the worst part of it is, is that the taxpayers are actually paying for that guy's luxury hotel room or his legal services and his college tuition. If he's enrolled in one, he has the opportunity to be to, thanks to uh, what our governor's offering. Um, and we're paying for this guy to attack our police officers. It's just absolutely outrageous. And yesterday I called uh, the New York ICE director right away in the morning when I saw this uh, and said, I want this guy to be deported. I want these individuals. They should not be here. And I wanted to know if, if ICE was planning on issuing detainer requests. And they certainly are um, planning to do that, it seems. They have to obviously get approval from Washington. But it seems to me that... Um, was that the condition, the uh, Nicole? Was that the condition? Well, the, the biggest problem for them is that uh, the city no longer cooperates with ICE. So it, when these individuals are arrested and they're being released, instead of being given to ICE so they could be deported, uh, that's a major problem. That is a law that was passed by Bill de Blasio and the radical you know, city council in 2014, and then he expanded it, Bill de Blasio, in 2017. So what the ICE director is telling me is that they have to go now and just find on their own, they have to do their own you know, investigation, try to find out where the people work, where they are, uh, to get those individuals because they can't gain access to the shelters to arrest a, uh, an individual. And they have zero cooperation from the NYPD because the NYPD's hands are tied by the radical politicians at City Hall. And so this has to stop. Uh, and at least I think, and John, you guys always talk about being just common sense. I think common sense, Democrats, independents, and Republicans can agree that if you're here and you're here uh, illegally and you're committing a crime, then you need to be deported, period. Can we at least agree on the, the criminals needing to be deported? Yeah, yeah, and you know what also, Nicole, you probably know this, but uh, seven of the guys were arrested and some of them had priors. I mean, yeah. you can't make it up. It's like they are already their priors. They're in this country, like you said, illegally. Uh, they're from Venezuela. And I just brought up to Governor Patterson. What are you going to do? Send them back? Venezuela doesn't want them. So what happens? Well, and the, really, they should be going to the next safe uh, country if, if they are applying for asylum, right? Uh, they should be going to the next safe country, not traveling seven different countries to come here and paying the drug cartels to be smuggled here. That's what's wrong really with the process. And what's frustrating for people that I represent, many immigrants, my parents included, uh, but I have many people who are here, they've claimed for asylum in, let's say, 2014 or 2017, and we're trying to help them because they got pushed further down the line because the president's prioritizing the people who are the border crossers who paid the cartels and came the wrong way. And, and, and that's so unfair to the immigrants that I represent who have done everything right. They've been waiting their turn patiently, and now they're getting hurt by this influx that should not be happening, and we can't seem uh, to get the president to rescind his executive orders. Uh, and our mayor and governor, quite frankly, they keep incentivizing this. The mayor had an out to stop sheltering these individuals when the Staten Island judge ruled in our case and agreed that right to shelter was only for um, New Yorkers that are homeless. Okay, he had the out to shut this whole thing down, and he kept insisting on housing individuals at our expense. So when this guy gets out of jail, he's released back onto the street, goes back to the hotel that you are paying for while you're struggling to keep a roof over your own head for you and your family here it's in New crazy. York City. It is really crazy. 
It is crazy. And, you, you know, you think about it, you guys, there were discussions about putting them in school gyms and places. I mean, we don't even know who, and we, and I, I would imagine, Nicole, when I saw these guys, if you're going to be as brazen as to be kicking police officers in a crowded area without any remorse, that this isn't the first time that they've had run-ins with the law, even the ones that have had the priors, they look pretty like, you know, no big deal. So, it is a perfect example of everything wrong with the system and who's crossing our border and not vetting these people and some of the kind of people that are coming into our country, probably in droves. And, and you're absolutely right. And this is what I've been saying from the very beginning in a post 9-11 world. We need to know who is coming in and out of our country. These people are not being vetted. They're being put in communities. Hundreds of individuals on the terror watch list have been caught. What about the ones that have not been caught? What about the 1.8 million gotaways that have not claimed for a Well, what's even worse, Nicole, what's even worse, these kids, uh, I don't know how many of them have been examined. Maybe Governor Patterson knows, but they're sitting next to uh, uh, the kids that uh, may uh, are American kids, and they... They're getting lice or they're getting other diseases. Who knows? Well, there, there's been a number of uh, diseases at the border that have been reported, and that is a, obviously an issue, particularly after this COVID pandemic. I mean, that's why we fought so hard to keep Title 42 in place. And even when the the, the president actually sued when, when the Supreme Court told him he had to keep Title 42 in place. And that's the problem here. No matter how hard we try whether it's we pass legislation, file a lawsuit. We have these uh, these pro-open border Democrats that keep fighting us every step of the way. And there's good ones. There's people like Robert Holden, city councilman, a Democrat, who I'm going to be working with him next week to call for the city to start cooperating with ICE again to deport, deport these individuals committing crime in our city. But somebody like him is very few and far between, especially in the New York City Council. Uh, we need more common sense individuals elected. Well, the, uh, the, and, key, and the key frankly, words, yeah. he needs Washington's permission to, to actually act. And Washington has no will and doesn't want to act, John, as we have seen with the border. Well, I mean, ICE is, the federal government is actually requesting these criminals. They, they put out detainer requests to deport the people who are committing but serious they, they crimes. Need, they need the permission. I guess they need permission. Well, no, I mean, the, the, the mayor needs permission really from the city council because they're the ones that passed this ridiculous law that tied NYPD's hands. No, the, feds, ICE, the, right the ICE people are feds. They can go in and arrest those people if they know uh, uh, their names, at least. And well, I'm sure they have to arrest them outside of the shelter. That's the problem. They they cannot have they don't have access oh, into the I, shelter. I understand at 6 a.m. at 6 a.m. in the morning, they throw them out of the shelter. So it's just stand there. And use the facial recognition equipment. Yeah, but think about how much more Thank difficult you, it is. For we gotta our, go. We gotta go. Thank you. Thanks, we love guys. you, and uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah. Thank you. Nicole. Okay. Let's <laughs> take a break, and when we come back, we're coming back with uh, Bill Parker. Uh, Bill Parker, and he knows a little bit about what's going on in the Middle East. We'd love to hear from him. 
Handling legal matters is stressful. So, let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. What is today is uh, uh, Dr. William J. Parker. And uh, he was in the Navy for 25, 30 years. He'll, he'll tell us. And now he's the CEO of the Parker Maritime Technologies that he's doing some great uh, uh, great things with uh, uh, saving fuel, and uh, he'll tell us tell us about that too. But he's also the former CEO and president of the East West Institute. Dr. Parker, uh, you're one knowledgeable guy. You were in the Navy. You were uh, uh, in the East West Institute. You know what the heck is going on. Give us the latest update, what's going on in Russia, Ukraine, what's going on in Israel, Yemen. Well, John, first of all, it's great to be back on your show. Um, look, uh, we'll start with Ukraine. Uh, we're at 320,000 reported casualties now, 80,000 dead, 240,000 wounded. Um, the U.S. has already put $75 billion into this. Uh, the EU is about to put another $50 billion into it. The U.S. is talking about putting more money to it here in the very near future. Um, this, is, uh, this is a war that you and I talked about many times, could have been avoided, um, did not need to happen, but uh, we we did not make it very clear that if you cross into uh, Ukraine, that uh, there would be a price to pay, and that price is very heavy on both sides right now. So it's a huge problem, and, and Ukraine has uh, has reportedly carried out heavy missile strikes now uh, in Crimea and taken out some airfields, et cetera. Uh, we go to the Houthi rebels, and uh, the Houthis uh, are looking at Afghanistan and saying. Uh, uh, the Afghanis got away with it. Taliban got away with it. Now it's our turn. Um, and they're taking shots at, uh, at U.S. ships on a regular basis. Um, you have folks now um, taking out uh, American troops uh, in Jordan, um, uh, killed just a few, just uh, two days ago. Um, so it's, it's significant. Um, so, so that's happening. Then you have uh, a large number of uh, people on the border in Lebanon, um, you know, the Israelis are, are looking hard at what is going to happen in the um, in, in the coming uh, months and years uh, as they look forward. But they're like, you're not going to push Bill into Parker, our country again. I had the vice president, uh, uh, the former vice president of the United States on my uh, in my office uh, uh, a few hours ago. Uh, and uh, he said to me that uh, the Israelis are worried about the northern borders. And that the fact is, uh, 
85% of the Israelis by those northern borders because there was a rule about eight miles uh, either way, a U.N. rule. Uh, and it doesn't seem that uh, they're afraid they're not going to follow it. And 15% of the Israelis that don't believe in in uh, whatever are still there. And uh, the, the, the Hezbollah from Lebanon have the same tunnels that Hamas have. I mean, would you be worried if you were you staying up there? Absolutely. Um, this is a this is a huge deal. You know, you you have potentially another major strike, even larger than what uh, what Israel saw before. Um, you have uh, potential of strikes going on both sides and from both sides right now. So this thing is uh, is growing out of control, and it's not just there, but it's uh, throughout the Middle East. Um. It doesn't seem like they fear the U.S. troops, which is is sad. I mean, President Biden uh, today, a couple of days ago, uh, he said that uh, uh, they're trying to decide uh, which things that they're going to hit in Iran. Are they give? Are we giving them notice that we're going to hit a tent or, or or a warehouse? I mean, it's just mind boggling. Well, it is. And this is what drags you into wars. Um, it is, uh, is that slow trickle into, uh, into a major, uh, confrontation. And that's, uh, that's what's happening here. Um, and, and it's a, it's a huge concern. And we have to, uh, strengthen ourselves now. And it needs to start on our own borders. Uh, we need to get those borders secured here quickly. Um, you can just look at what's happening in New York City right now and what's happening with the NYPD. Some, some of the great policemen of the world are in New York, in my opinion. Uh, and, and for those guys to get uh, to get beaten by uh, by illegal immigrants is unacceptable. I, I know that. And uh, uh, let's do some more research on that. And uh, maybe we'll talk uh, on Sunday. John, I look forward to it. Thank you very much. Th- thank you so much. Wow, John, I can't wait to have him do some more research and then tune in on Sunday for the very latest. That'll be fantastic. Well, he's going to do some more research. And there was a amongst ourselves, because uh, uh, Judge Weinberg was in the meeting. And and uh, who else was in the meeting? George uh, Venizelos, yep, at the FBI. Judge <laughs> Venizelos was in the meeting, a former FBI and my chief of staff. And... Um, also, uh, Matt Wanning, uh, our producer. And, our terrific uh, producer and there. We all argued there's 45,000 troops on the border. A, 85,000 uh, uh, Israelis have moved out. Yeah, or 85%, right? 85%, 85% have moved out. Yeah. Moved out, 85%. 15% that uh, stayed because they wanted to stay. So uh, the question is, is the 45,000 troops going to push back, push back uh, the uh, uh, Hezbollah, Hezbollah, or are they going to move out the Israelis? The Israelis. Okay. I, you know how I vote based on that conversation. What was yours? I think we know, but go ahead. I know. <laughs> well, the audience doesn't know. Because I, as I, I know you. As I understood the conversation, they're using that to tell Hezbollah, you better comply with the Security Council resolution saying you have to move back. And if you don't comply voluntarily, we're going to make you do it. That and was you, my reading. And, and you know something? You know who else we're having coming coming on? 
at the end of the show at 5.45 or 5.50, uh, Ambassador John Bolton, he may know. Yeah, so can't wait to ask him Nobody hang that. up. As Curtis would say, don't hang up. You might find out at the end of this, uh, towards the end of our show. Can't wait. And uh, Rita, you have some hot news? It's the top news of the day, sponsored by Goya. Here's Rita Cosby. And as you heard here at the top on Cats and Cosby, we were talking about Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. Well, he was apologizing today following his recent kept secret hospital stay. Austin did admit to reporters that he did not handle the situation appropriately after he failed to promptly notify President Biden and senior White House officials of his cancer diagnosis and hospitalization. And he did, though, claim there were no gaps in authority during his treatment, according again to him. Here is some serious news also coming from overseas. A gunman that has been described as a suicide bomber stormed a factory in Istanbul today and took seven hostages. The man is apparently a pro-Hamas sympathizer, and the factory is owned by U.S. consumer products giant, Procter and Gamble. No word if any Americans are among the hostages there. And meanwhile, reports say that the U.S. military may be planning to carry out a series of strikes in Iraq and Syria following last weekend's drone strike in Jordan that left three American service members dead. President Biden has only told reporters and others publicly that he's decided on a course of action. Unclear what that will be, but we will see. And, John, those are your hot, 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 hot Goya stories. I got one more hot one. Oh, you do? Okay. Because, as uh, Commissioner Bratton would say, uh, uh, these people are never going to show up to report to court. Yep. Uh, uh, It just happened. Police believe four of the migrants arrested uh, that beat the uh, police officers uh, in Times Square have already fled to California. Oh, great. They've already left for California. They've already crossed the state. That's amazing. Well, it's a sanctuary state. Yes, yeah, from one state to another city. state. From one state to another sanctuary state, by the way. I love those Goya beans, by the way. Let's take a break right now, and we're going to come back. Judge Andrew Napolitano. And uh, interesting. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. And joining us now is Judge Andrew Napolitano. Judge Napolitano, there's so much going on. Uh, I have some migrant questions, but we're going to get to that in a moment. But first, um, we're waiting to see what's going to happen with Judge Engron and Goron. This is the one who is handling the business, the whole Trump organization. He was supposed to come down with his decision yesterday. And everybody was on pins and needles. Now it's delayed another day so far. It hasn't come down. What, what do you think is the holdup? And uh, after what we saw with the E. Jean Carroll case, I think it's like going to be a part two. Your thoughts? Well, I, I wouldn't be very optimistic. Good evening, John, and good evening, Rita. So it's a pleasure to be on with you. I wouldn't be very optimistic uh, if I were uh, President Trump uh, in the case before Justice Engeron. Uh, you know, so many of the decisions went against him, and, and the, the principle of which was the finding as a matter of law uh, that uh, Trump 
misled the banks as to the value of uh, these assets. Listen, I think the statute is unconstitutional. I think the fact that there's no jury in there is unconstitutional. I think the fact that um, uh, there doesn't have to be a victim is unconstitutional. All of those uh, are appellate issues. Now, what's holding this up? It's very interesting what's holding this up. Uh, Justice Engeron appointed a very highly uh, respected retired federal judge by the name of Barbara Jones as the monitor of this entity. Judge Jones delivered a report yesterday to Justice, excuse me, uh, today's Thursday, Tuesday to Justice Engeron, highly critical of the bookkeeping methods of the Trump organization. She's now the boss of the Trump organization. Uh, uh, We haven't seen the report. Uh, I have just seen snippets of it. Highly, highly critical. So I'm guessing that Justice Engeron wants to uh, incorporate some of Judge Jones's uh, criticisms of the Trump Organization bookkeeping in his report. In, in his ruling, and that's why he's delaying it to tomorrow or Monday. I mean, my, my opinion, uh, Judge, he seems like he's already made up his mind. It seemed like he made up his mind. Remember, they decided even before the whole trial started. And I know Barbara Jones for a long time, and I'm really, really surprised that she would do that. Well, uh, John, you know she is very highly uh, respected. She is the, the guru in Manhattan. Um, of retired judges who are appointed as monitors. I don't know what she found. Uh, obviously, whatever it is, she's going to have to document it. And if Justice Engeron is going to rely on it, he should give the Trump lawyers an opportunity to comment on it or even cross-examine uh, Judge Jones. Now, that has not happened as far as I know, so perhaps I'm wrong. And um, by the way, we the have uh, and Judge Weinberg's here. By, Again. Go ahead, Judge Weinberg. Well, let, sure. him, let, let the judge finish first. Let, let Judge Weinberg Yes, sorry, finish. I thought you were done, Judge. No, he wasn't. Go no, ahead. I apologize. Uh, and I'm always happy to hear from my colleague, but maybe guess that this Barbara Jones uh, uh, report is the cause of the delay is wrong. Maybe it's just Justice Angeron needs more time to dot his I's and cross his T's. Let's face it, whatever his ruling is, it's going to be scrutinized. With extraordinary detail. Judge, good to talk to you again. Let me say, I absolutely agree with you. I think it's an unconstitutional statute. These people are noticed. They did their own due diligence. There were warnings in in the documents. There was no injury. There was no harm. This executive law they relied on is totally unconstitutional. You're right about the the problem with the the trial by jury. I think I know Arthur and Goran very well. I think he rushed to judgment on this. With respect to Barbara Jones, I know Judge Jones well also. I don't know if there's no injury and you have a defective statute, which is unconstitutional, I don't know why you need a monitor to say that this should be thrown out. And so my hope and my prediction is they do the right thing in this case and they throw it out on do constitutional they, grounds. Ed Cox, uh, you're, in, my, my question you're is, in the legal business. <laughs> do the monitors get paid a check uh, to come up with the uh, decision? Or a yes. recommendation? The, the Trump sure. Yeah, any monitor gets well paid. Sure, the, the that's a, it's a good job. It's a plum job. job. And she won't. Yes. She won't get hired if they. If the judge in this case didn't like her, she didn't. Know, he didn't know what her ultimate decision would be. 
no, I, no, I think she knew what the her, ultimate decision would be. But her reputation is <laughs> no. so is so stellar. The, the, the issue is on, on a, this case has nothing to do with future. I with would future hope so. I, you know, I, I think she's a great lady, and uh, Barbara Barbara's wonderful. But with all due respect to Ngoran and to Barbara, what they did here was totally irrelevant because there was no injury. And how can you have a statute like this where there's no injury? You and and I, Judge uh, Weinberg, you and I are in total agreement on that. But I don't think uh, Trump is going to get justice until it gets to your colleagues in the appellate division. It's pretty clear which way Justice Engron is going to go for whatever reason. He's a Democrat. He hates Trump. In his own mind, he thinks he's doing the right thing, whatever. The, The dispassionate analysis of the defects in this statute is going to take place in an appellate court. And there, I believe, and it's a couple of years down the road, After the election, this statute (laughs) is well known among securities lawyers as something that will be unconstitutional if it is taken up to that level. Therefore, the attorney generals have used it very carefully, only for very bad cases that they want to act on quickly. And it, frankly, it's a very efficient statute that way. But they only use in cases where people won't appeal it. Because they know it would get eliminated. And it's there for a purpose, to get rid of really bad guys easily. It's the first prosecution on this statute. They use it to force people to comply. Right. They, they threaten to use it in order to get you to conform your bookkeeping uh, behavior to the way uh, they want it. It's draconian. But I will tell you this, Judge. Um, Trump's lawyers failed to make the uh, where is our jury uh, argument in a timely manner. So they waived that on appeal. They have many issues on appeal, but uh, the absence of a jury trial, which is guaranteed by the Constitution, is not one of them. Question on appeal. Which way does it go, federal or just up the state ladder? No, of course, right up the state ladder. And I think that four appellate division justices will eviscerate uh, Justice Engeron. Engeron, your uh, colleague, was... Um, former colleague, was um, appealed five times uh, interlocutorily, fancy phrase for in the middle of the case. All five times he was reversed by different panels of the appellate division. I don't think he's in good stead with them. He says before or after they have the new uh, uh, justice uh, in Albany. Ed Cox, you know? Well, that's a question. What's happened at the Court of Appeals, the highest court in New York State, which clearly... The chief judge was put in in a very corrupt manner, muscled in by the state Senate, very unusual. And his predecessor was muscled out, especially to get a, quote-unquote, progressive judge as the chief judge. And the honest judge in uh, in Southampton wasn't allowed to take the, that position. Exactly. What was his name? The honest judge in Southampton. LaSalle. LaSalle. An honest oh. guy that deserved that position. The state Senate shot him down. Presiding Justice Guys, we're Department, running out of time. Right. Yep, yep. we got to go to a break, Judge Apolitano, we got to go to a hard break. Thank you for thank coming you, on. Thank, thank you, Judge. Uh, for Joe, telling the truth. It's always a pleasure. I love you guys. All we the love best. you. Thank, thank you. you. And uh, let's take a break, and we're coming back with Ambassador Bolton. Maybe we'll, we'll find out which way the, the Israelis are going. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. 
And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. And joining us now is former U.N. Ambassador John Bolton. Uh, Ambassador Bolton, there's so much going on between Israel and Iran. I don't know if you saw uh, Defense Secretary Austin today. It was painful to watch it. Not only, obviously, is he physically frail, but his message to, you know, Iran or anybody wished to do America harm, it was, well, we don't really want to get into a war. We're not really sure. We're not. It sounded just so uh, wimpy. And, and it was scary to me as an American. And I think it's important to admit strength. Your thoughts? Well, I think the administration, based on what they've said since the uh, attack by Shia militia on Sunday, killed three Americans and wounded several dozen. They've just been been at pains to make it clear they don't want to attack targets in Iran. Uh, they're, they're, they're consumed by a worry about a wider war, ignoring the fact we've been in a wider war since October the 7th. Iran is behind all of this violence beginning with the Hamas attack on Israel uh, and and ending up just recently by killing three Americans. So uh, crossing an uh, Iranian red line after they have crossed so many, I think, is necessary to signal to them we do not accept their behavior. It's it's uh, and, and more would come. I, I don't think the first raid into Iranian territory uh, needs to be uh, strategic. It doesn't need to be regime threatening. But it should be clear we're not just going to attack their surrogates, the, the ter- Tehran surrogates and proxies. We're going to attack the source. And uh, I, I, But I have no faith the administration will do that. And so, Ambassador Bolton, Ed Cox. So, uh, so, John, what do they attack? Oil refineries? That drives up the price of oil. What do they attack in Iran? Well, I think uh, several things. Number one, they can attack the multiple air defense systems that Iran has around the Persian Gulf and along the western border with Iraq. Taking those systems out is a clear attack on military and revolutionary guard elements. Uh, it's something that we've contemplated but not done before. Uh, and, and I think it has the, the secondary advantage that having eliminated air defense units, it's a lot easier to go in the next time. I think the second thing we go after are the Quds Force and Revolutionary Guard bases in western Iran, which for decades have trained these Shia militia groups, equipped them, armed them, sent them back in, killed close to 200 Americans uh, over the past 20 years. Our military has wanted to go after those bases for a long time. Now's the time to do it. Uh, And just uh, in addition, targets uh, outside of Iran, but clearly Iranian assets, we should sink the Iranian naval vessels in the Red Sea who are helping the Houthi close the, the Red Sea and the Suez Canal to commercial traffic. That that would be my first response. And you could consider other responses down the road that uh, that are even more serious. Yes, if they're, if they're helping our, the Houthis attack our vessels and, and, and other uh, situations, of course, they're, they're, they're co-conspirators. Well, it, it's uh, this goes back a long way. The, the Iranians call what they're doing now their ring of fire strategy, meaning their ring of fire around Israel, but really around the Gulf Arab states and ultimately the U.S. Uh, and this is something that the uh, late unlamented Qasem Soleimani, then the head of the Quds Force, was was working on. And uh, I think this is uh, this this is an effort to see how successful that strategy will be. If if you want to restore peace in the Middle East, uh, you have to do it through strength. A show of weakness will not convince the Iranians to give up. It will encourage them to go further. 
You know, and also, Ambassador Bolton, have you seen in the middle of all this, it looks like uh, the president has now just issued an executive order against Israeli settlers in the West Bank. It seems like he's <laughs> taking aggressive action, uh, anything to do with Israel, and yet he's very tepid on the other hand. That's that's very dangerous. Well, I think he's worried about the split, the political split within the Democratic Party, the left wing, very pro-Palestinian, very anti-Israel. I think he wants to make sure they don't jump ship. But according to leaks out of the administration that were reported widely in the press today, they are contemplating recognizing a state of Palestine, uh, which the U.S. has never done. In fact, I would argue it could well be in violation of the Oslo Agreements. Uh, which say that the Palestinians and the Israelis are the ones that have to agree on that. There is no state of Palestine now. It doesn't meet any definitions under customary international law. There's no capital. There's no defined territory. There's no government acting like the government. So it would be a pure propaganda victory for for, uh, the Palestinian Authority if they did that, and I think would cause enormous problems in the pro-Israel community uh, in this country. Ambassador Bolton, we got two questions before we run out of time. One, uh, we we had a very important person, uh, the vice president, the former vice president, in the, in, uh, the studio today, uh, and uh, we no, we talked. He wasn't in the studio. He was here this afternoon, and I understand that uh, there's forty five thousand troops on the northern side where Lebanon is because the of the Israelis moved out, 15% are still there, and uh, we understand that Hezbollah has tunnels underneath that portion uh, of Israel, and the question is, is those 45,000 troops going to move the 15% Israelis that are still there, or are they going to move back the Hezbollah, if they're if they're entering that uh, uh, that uh, if they're not complying with the UN resolution, that they have to stay back. Any opinion on that? Yeah, well, look, I think they're worried about Hezbollah for all the the barbarity and horror of the uh, October seventh attack by Hamas. Hezbollah is far better equipped. <clears throat> they have tens of thousands of missiles. You mentioned the tunnels that come out somewhere in Israel. Uh, and and Israel has uh, fought Hezbollah before. They in, back in 2006 they said they would eliminate Hezbollah. They didn't. It was a mistake then. Uh, and uh, you know there there is a UN resolution 1701. I helped negotiate it that said the area south of the Latani River in Lebanon uh, should have only the Lebanese armed forces in there, no Hezbollah forces, which they have ignored now for about 16 or 17 years. Very dangerous up there in the north, and and that's uh, that's something. So I what know do you Israel, think? What do you think the Israeli army is going to do? Are they going to move the 15 percent out, or and uh, then the intent would be to uh, knock out all those tunnels? Well, I think they've got to be prepared uh, for potential attacks by Hezbollah, uh, or if the situation's really risky with with these thousands of missiles that could overwhelm Israel's air defenses and jeopardize. Tel Aviv and other major uh, Israeli cities. It's a very dangerous uh, place to be in for Israel, and I think they're preparing for the options. I think the settlers are still there. I mean, the citizens of Israel living on their property south of the Lebanese border, those that haven't uh, left, I don't think are going to. I mean, the, the question is, why don't they just blow up the 150,000 missiles or whatever, or whatever they have? Yeah, well, why not? in the Bekaa Valley. It would be quite an operation. I think Israel's capable of doing it, but but they're also now pinned down in the Gaza Strip. I think that's part of Iran's 
thinking here to see if uh, how much damage they can impose on Israel in Gaza. And uh, and that's still playing out. So it may not be opportune for Israel, but but they can't. They, they don't call all the shots. Hezbollah can call the shots. Last question real fast, because we're, we're, we're over time and we're after six o'clock. And the last question is, we understand that Mexico uh, to make uh, President Biden happy is is restricting the amount of people now coming into the borders because they'd rather have President Biden than President Trump. Well, look, this this is something they were doing before. They should do it. It's in their own interest to do it. If they they don't want people from Central America marching through Mexico, they ought to stop them on their border, too. We can cooperate with Mexico if we make it clear we're not taking these people in. Uh, And then they wouldn't leave their homes in the first place. Well, thank you so much, Ambassador Bolton. And We'll catch up with you again real soon. And those were important questions uh, for the American people. And thank you. Yeah, thank but, you for being thank here. Thank you. And, John, we also have an update. Um, it just came in, remember, on the Trump trial, that now it looks like the verdict in that Trump fraud trial is delayed until mid-February. So wow, we'll wow. find out why. Wow. Well, guys, what do we all stand for? Truth, Truth justice, and the American way. way. God bless America.